Welcome to the Politics of Everything. I'm Amber Danes, your host and podcast producer. This is a half hour of power, a podcast dropping every week where I unpack the politics of everything, from money to motherhood, nutrition to narcissism, startups to secularism, the environment, quality, and much, much more. Our guests are seasoned in the field or topic of their choice, even if you've not heard of them yet. This is a non-partisan show. So while I love exploring varied views and get a buzz from a healthy debate of ideas, this is not a purely blue, white, green program. Please subscribe, tune in and enjoy the politics of everything. Functional medicine is more than a blanket approach to eating the right foods or taking a few supplements to help our bodies and our minds. Functional medicine is a systems biology-based approach that focuses on identifying and addressing the root causes of disease. Each symptom of differential diagnosis may be one of many contributing to an individual's illness. So meet my guest today. Philippa Ballett is the co-founder of Chris and Philly Functional Medicine, the health and wellness practice she runs with her husband. It's best known for ending body burnout and high-achieving parents. We all know a few of those, including said company. Her practice was awarded the Telstra Best of Business Awards 2022 State Winner and National Finalist and the Australian Women's Small Business Champion Awards 2022 National Winner. Her work and expert advice is featured in media such as Forbes, Nine and Body and Soul. Her business has worked with over 2,000 burnt-out clients in the last decade with her own passion for mummy burnout coming from her own personal experience of anxiety and body breakdown after she had her first baby. She's also a smarty pants. She has a PhD scholar. She's an author and an award-winning writer in human rights. So it sounds like there's nothing that can hold Philippa back. So I'm really happy to chat to her today. And of course, this chat is for anyone who's keen to mitigate burnout and anxiety, which we understand affects so many people people at all different stages of their life. So welcome to the politics of everything, Philippa. Thank you, Amber. So excited to be here. Podcasting remotely can be challenging, but it doesn't have to be. Since 2017, I have relied on Zencaster's all-in-one web-based solution to make the process quick and painless, the way podcasting should be. If you know me, I'm pretty obsessed with quality guests, quality content, and quality sound, and that's what Zencaster allows me to do. Not to mention, it's really easy to use, even for my guests that aren't particularly tech savvy. There's nothing to download. They just click on the link and we start recording. Zencaster is all about making your podcasting experience easy and with everything from local recording to automatic post-production all in the one tool, you don't have to leave your browser to get each episode done. I want you to have the same great experience that I do for all my podcasts and content needs. So I have a special offer for you. If you go to Zen dot AI forward slash politics of everything and enter this promo code, you'll get 30% off in your first three months when you sign up to Zencaster Pro. That's Z-E-N dot AI, politics of everything. It's now time to share your story. Excellent. So let's go back a bit. What did you want to do as a kid? What was your sort of aspiration? Was it something in the space you're kind of working with or did you have a different career path early on? Yeah, that was a good question. I think I really wanted to be a marine biologist because I was just so fascinated with the ocean and all the creatures in it. And I was also really creative as well. So I loved dance and drawing and painting and music. And so as I I got older and went into high school 
and then into university. I kind of went down the more of the Bachelor of Arts English, although I was also studying psychology. And then later on did a PhD, as you mentioned, in creative writing. So I didn't end up being a marine biologist, but kind of followed more of that creative route. And then after I had my first baby, so I actually got my PhD report back to say I'd passed on the same day that I gave birth to my first baby. Oh, my goodness. How long ago was that? <laughs> um, so she's almost 11, okay. so 11 years ago. Wow. Yeah. And um, anyway, the birth was, I guess, a new chapter of my life. So it was quite complicated, a three-day labor. The baby didn't want to come out. I had a lot of bladder damage post-birth where I couldn't, I had no sensation to urinate. So I had to use a catheter for about four months after I gave birth to Poppy, which involved heaps of antibiotics. I was in and out of hospital and my body was just, yeah, done. Wow. <laughs> like, that's extreme. Like most people don't have that, but I guess, yeah, for you, it's that tipping point of how you've ended up doing what you do. Yeah. Yeah. And that's exactly right. And I just found month by month, instead of getting better, as most mums do, like, you know, they'll bounce back after a few months or and start feeling better as the baby's settling and sleeping better. My body was just, it was the opposite. It was like every month a new symptom popped up, chronic back pain, low immunity. I was catching all the colds and flus, anxiety, depression, gut issues, fatigue and then by the time Poppy turned one I felt like an 80 year old and I'm like I have to do something about this at the time I'd seen you know my GP and they were like oh this is just normal to feel like this after having a baby I'm like I have friends that don't feel like this this is not normal (laughs) and so it took me down a route into natural therapies Excellent. Well, that that sounds like quite the journey. So give us your take on, I guess, what functional medicine is. I gave a little bit of a blurb that I'd found online, which may or may not be exactly how you view it. But how do you see it working for people who come to see you and your husband in your practice? What are they really looking for and how do you help them? Yeah, yeah. You hit the nail on the head. So at the depth of it, it is a root cause approach to treating symptoms and disease. So unlike the like modern medicine, I guess, it's more of a kind of almost a bit like a reductionist model where it's like, oh, you have a heart issue, go see a cardiologist or, oh, you've got blood pressure issues, take a blood pressure medication. So the big question in our practice is why? It's like, why do you have this symptom? Why, why have you even been diagnosed with this disease or this condition? There's something deeper going on at a root cause level. And so in functional medicine, it's also using natural therapies, but it's taking a scientific approach to it. So we use a lot of functional lab testing in our practice that looks beyond what GPs and medical specialists test for. So it's looking at your neurotransmitters, your stress hormones, looking at detox pathways, looking at your gut health. And pretty much always we find something out of balance in the realm of the body systems that were just missed in regular testing. And that's where a lot of people like myself kind of hit a roadblock with the medical system. It's great and it helps a lot of people, but there's a bunch of people where it's more like functional issues that haven't yet manifested as a disease, but you're still feeling rotten. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And I think a lot of people can relate to that at some stage in their life. So what differentiates what you do from, say, 
the skill set of a dietitian or a naturopath or are they kind of all interlinked? How do you see yourself working in that ecosystem of, of you know, alternative medicine, if you like, but also holistic medicine? Yeah, so in a, so a few ways. So functional medicine, I guess, like I said before, it's that scientific approach. So a lot of, and I used to study, I mean, sorry, we'll study, but also practice clinical nutrition, which is really similar to a naturopath. And what I found was it, it was a lot of guesswork, although I had a lot of education and I was good at taking people's cases. At the end of the day, I was kind of still guessing what's wrong with them. And that's, I feel, how a lot of dietitians and naturopaths do practice still. And so then it's like, all right, try this supplement or try this diet, see how you feel. So functional medicine, you know, we're using the lab test so we can actually see what the body actually needs. And in our practice, we also incorporate, like we look at the body as a whole system. So we're not just a physical being. So although people come to us because they have energy, mood or gut issues, like a lot of physical symptoms, we're also a spiritual being, we're a mental being, we're a psychological being, we're an emotional being. So we look at the body as an interconnected system with more of like the metaphysical part of ourself. And we use a lot of neuro-linguistic programming in our practice as well as hypnosis to really get to the deepest root cause of all disease. And I believe that is stuff that's happening at the unconscious level. Yeah. And how do you really test for that like I suppose what's the like I'm picturing you go to the doctor they might do a blood test to see what your iron levels are like or if there's any other markers in your system like how do you actually get to the diagnosis part yeah so with the lab testing it would be great if we could do a lab test on the unconscious state there hasn't been one developed oh, that'd that be yet. cool <laughs> There's, there's a market for someone who's out there who's in that space and wants to fund that. <laughs> yes, um, but we definitely, so with the lab testing that we do to look at the body systems, that's what we call our first level of inquiry because it's quick and easy to do. We use a lot of, I mean, we do blood tests, but mostly it's spit, wee or poo. So you poo in a dish and we can look at are there parasites or bacterial pathogens or fungal infections and a lot of these infections that cause major issues are not considered major pathogens in like a GP realm. So those types of pathogens go on missed in testing. Then also like we look at uh, stress hormones. So some GPs do test for say your female hormones or male hormones, but they don't really test for things like cortisol and DHEA, which is, I believe, the Achilles heel to all other body systems breaking down. Because when your body is under stress or you're not regulating stress properly, then all the other organs can't function well because you're in a state of fight or flight and survival rather than thriving. And I guess that's where things like adrenal fatigue and those sorts of chronic conditions become paramount. Yes, yes. So burnout, I know some research that I've done, costs the Australian economy $14 billion each year. You've alluded to a little bit about your health crisis and how you got to be where you are now from a professional point of view. How did you really navigate that mummy burnout sort of recovery Mm. process? I I guess nutrition was at the heart of the solution in some ways, but how can these body imbalances cause us to feel like, as you call it, dragon mum or zombie dad, as you say? Because a lot of people would say, well, when you have young children, you're always tired, you're always running on empty, you're never getting proper sleep, you're probably just Mm -hmm. eating what you can. Is Is it easy to kind of just put that in that bucket or how do you know if it's something more serious, I guess? Yeah, we actually end up working with a lot of parents who have kids that are now sleeping. So 
So yeah, it's completely normal to feel pretty flat. When you have a newborn baby and they're waking up every hour or two, but the real, I feel like the bigger sign would be, oh, your kids are older now and they're all at school, but you're still feeling the same as what you did or maybe even worse than when you were in that newborn baby state. And so over time, things will happen to the system where you don't just bounce back by going on a holiday or getting a good night's sleep. So they're kind of like signs that I look out for too. It's like, oh, well, how do you feel when you go on a holiday for two weeks? Are you feeling like awesome while you're there and you come back all refreshed and you're great, all your symptoms are gone or are they still lingering or they haven't even budged yet? So that would be things like fatigue and chronic fatigue is a big one as well, where your body just can't do the things that it used to do. Like even going for a walk around the block for half an hour causes you to feel quite depleted for the rest of the day. Or the stress response is an interesting one as well, because we do think, oh, you know, if we're juggling businesses or work and also kids, then we probably all feel a bit like a dragon mum. And that's like normal, but it would be abnormal if your stress response is showing up really dysregulated. So you're so for me, for example, when I had my second baby, things flared up again. <laughs> so what was the gap? Just so, because, you know, some people, if you have babies quite close oh, to yeah. which I didn't, I have four years gap between mine. I felt like that's what I needed to actually feel myself again before I could even think about being a mum again. But I guess if you've got two under two, for example, I mean, that's compounding probably how you feel, right? Like just Yeah, well, so when I started, maybe I'll backtrack. So when Poppy was one, the first thing that I changed was my nutrition. So I read a book called Deep Nutrition, which basically said you can heal your body using healthy, nutritious foods and the processed foods that most of us, most of the modern society eat is poisoning us. And so I went on this like, crazy bandwagon I say crazy because I was just all in straight away I'm like fermenting things in my kitchen I'm making things from raw milk we ate a lot of organ meats which my husband Chris hated after a few months he said I can't eat your food anymore so we stopped that yeah I can can kind of understand that because yeah there's a lot of joy in food and I think not about you know labeling food good or bad but I must admit like people who have very strict ways of eating I find it like it feels to me very short-termist. I don't think I could do it. Does that make sense? Yeah. It feels like yes, a diet yes. rather than a lifestyle. It's like yes. how long do I have to just have this bone broth for and that's it? Like, <laughs> Yeah, so I was I was probably on the, the more extreme side, um, but I was so de- determined. I'm like, okay, there's evidence that people heal from this sort of stuff using food, so I'm going to do it. And I felt, I did feel good month by month. uh, My symptoms started calming down. And then when Poppy was two, I was like, okay, we're ready to have another baby now. So we fell pregnant pretty quickly the second time around, which was nice because Poppy, I had infertility issues. And so she was three when I had the second baby. Yeah, great. So that's a a pretty standard gap. So I guess... How do people know if their body needs a fine tune, if they generally feel okay? So we've talked about the extreme where you're kind of fatigued every day, maybe you're just not having your energy levels like you used to and, you know, day-to-day life is tricky. What if it's a little bit more subtle than that? How do you work with people who are in that sort of position but they just want to feel better or feel more energy and, you know, I guess be the best cells if you like? Yeah, that's interesting. I actually had a, a consult with a client yesterday a new one. And she's like, oh, I don't, some days I feel fine. 
And then other days things flare up. I don't even know if I, if I'm, if I should be here. <laughs> and I'm like, well, if you want to feel optimal, then it's a perfect place to be. Yeah. So, so if you're feeling generally okay, but so I would be thinking about signs. So if you're waking up and you're like, you have to snooze a lot, or if you're just like, oh, I don't want to get up today, that would be an issue. So if we're looking at energy or if you're kind of getting like the afternoon crashes, a lot of people think people think that's normal when actually you should have just had really sustained energy throughout the day. Or if it's coming to, I don't know, seven or eight o'clock at night and you're like, oh my gosh, I got to go to bed. Then they're kind of early signs that energy, there's energy issues going on. And then like gut stuff as well. Sometimes people just push aside, especially if you're busy, you're working, you're parenting, there's other signs coming from inside the body that are early warning signs. So if you're starting to feel like, oh, I'm getting a little bit of bloating or oh, I'm getting a bit of reflux after I eat or, gee, I have to go to the toilet all the time because I've got loose stools or maybe constipation, it can also show up in, on the skin as well. So if it's like, oh, why am I getting eczema? I haven't had this since a kid or, oh, gee, I'm like 40 years old and I'm breaking out in pimples. What's going on? Oh, yes, so I had that. So I'm <laughs> late 40s now, but I got I got like perimenopause or acne when I was like mm. 40 and I had to go on Rakutane because I tried everything, including all the wow. health stuff and yeah. did a low FODMAP diet and all the bits. I'm not sort of dismissing it. It was helpful, yeah. but I just... Two years later, I still had acne and I had rosacea acne and it's just, you know, it's all that stuff. When I, you know, you use your face for work. I'm a presenter. Like it was the yeah. worst. I was like, oh, my gosh, I didn't even have this at 17. What's happening? So yeah, totally relate. Yeah. And it really demoralized me in a way yeah. which I thought I was a little bit, you know, beyond that, you know, looks yeah. fun everything by the time you're 40. So it's like, but, yeah, it was really, it was a very difficult path and a bit confronting yes. to be honest. Yeah, yeah. And and they're the type of things too, because although, yes, it's affecting self-esteem, but from a functional point of view, like, oh, I can still get up and do the things that I need to do. But it's just a sign that it's like, oh, something's not quite right. Yeah, my body's not happy right now. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Yeah. Does that answer the question? Yeah, I think that's really great because I think for a lot of people, it's not about the rock bottom Mm. thing, you know, to use that term. I think it's about optimizing who we can be and I be, you know, working out what it is. And I do think nutritional needs and your functional nutritional, you know, analysis probably changes as you in different stages of your life. I mean, for you, it sounds like it was motherhood, but you know, as we talked about with hormones and all those sorts of things, like it's definitely different to how I would eat, how I eat now and how I manage my body is very different to my yeah. 20s. Well, we're know. talking about seasons as well. So I've kind of had, I would say like three body burnout episodes or flare-ups where it's just like, oh, it's come back again. So it was first baby, second baby, and then COVID 2022. My kids mm. were older then, so it definitely wasn't part of the like new mom phase. It was purely stress. And that's where a lot of the unconscious patterns of, fear around money and and security and like the deeper wound though was that I had core beliefs around not feeling good enough or feeling weak and incapable and this whole COVID situation just flared that up. All the same uh, health issues for me flared up as well, including insomnia. That would probably be like sleep issues would be something I'd be thinking about too. Oh, yes. Um, And the crazy thing was, which is why we incorporate the mind component and the unconscious component to our practice is that I did all the lab tests again. I did all the protocols. I did all the diets and nothing helped the health issues during COVID. 
And it wasn't until I went deeper to the deeper root causes in the unconscious state that everything calmed down again. So that's incredible. So you've got that experience to sort of, I guess, inform how you might speak to patients about their recovery. And because it's not just about yeah. the body, it sounds like there's so much more at stake here. And the body and mind obviously are very linked, gut health yes. and all those things. What are some of the red flags anyone who's tried functional nutrition and thinks it's not working for them? So either their body or their mind are not quite aligned. Are there some sort of tweaks and things that you, you do along the way? How often should people come and see you, I guess? And, and I guess what's the check-ins? Because as I mentioned, I think people do evolve and change and chronic conditions sometimes flare up later in life. They're not always something that present at the same time. Yeah. Okay. So, so maybe like we just talk about nutrition. So maybe they, you know, tried the FODMAP diet or elimination diets, or, you know, sometimes it's even weight issues as well. People are like, I'm doing all the things from a energy in energy out point of view, but nothing's shifting. Then I would, so if someone's working more in the natural remedy point of view, whether that's nutrition or supplements, but they haven't yet done any testing, I would definitely say, let's actually do some tests to see what your body actually needs, because maybe you're not actually giving it what it needs. If someone has, and we also get a lot of clients who have worked with functional medicine practitioners, and they're like, we have done lab testing, and we have done supplements, and we have done nutrition, but nothing's working. That's where that's where it's always like an unconscious nervous system dysregulation issue where the deeper root cause hasn't been addressed and no amount of physical support will ever outrun a deep root cause that is still present in the body. Yeah, absolutely. So it, it sounds like it's, it's, you know, far more complicated <laughs> for some patients than others, which is just the nature of what you do, yeah. I guess. So this obsession with new forms of wellness, and I'm using that in inverted commas, which you cannot see because we're not filming, mean that sometimes I think people do more harm than good long term. Like I, I'm not a fad diet mm. person. I'll try things which, you know, I, a professional I trust, such as the low FODMAP diet, you know, had benefits for me in, in other ways if it didn't help my skin. But, you know, there is a real obsession with this stuff and I think I notice it a lot in my peer group where people suddenly just trying all these different things, you know, whether it be, you know, suddenly doing lots of F45 fitness and then not eating and intermittent fasting and all the bits. How do you navigate that with your with your patients? Because I imagine people present and they tell you all these things that they're doing and they're done and, you know, a lot of it to me feels fairly superficial and not necessarily well-informed, but I could be completely wrong I on that. I love this question. This is so good. <laughs> <laughs> to bump these, these myths because I I get a little bit pained by it and I think it's just that middle-aged grumpy <laughs> bits too where I just go, oh, no, you're coming over and you don't eat this now and that and it's just like, oh, can't cater for all this. this okay, I love this question for many reasons. First and foremost, because this was used to be me. So when I, you know, you know how I said, oh, when I just went full in and I was like this crazy person in the kitchen. Juicing and all the bits. So I would actually say I developed orthorexia, which is a healthy obsession with healthy eating to the point where I was actually sabotaging myself. So I, it was almost like I'm all or nothing. If I'm not perfect, then I'm going to go binge out. So it kind of almost created a bit of a yo-yo for me on the weekdays perfect eating living healthy and then on the weekends I'm like now I can treat myself but it got to a point where I was just so embarrassed that I was still eating sugar (laughs) that I was closet eating and so and so the obsession with wellness can definitely cause more harm than good and so I had to like it was a year actually 
I shared a story, it's not live yet, but it was a decade long process of actually overcoming that and coming out to the other end where I can still live healthy and well, but not force it and not be perfect about it. Like there's, there's a point where you can actually just develop a really healthy relationship with yourself that you choose, whatever you choose to do, you choose to do, regardless of whether it's considered healthy or, or unhealthy. But as long as like for me personally, it feels good in my body and for my emotional health, then it's great. That's wellness. And so we do actually get a lot of like patterns. We call it patterns of clients that we work with who end up in body burnout, are perfectionists, people pleasers, overdoers, and especially if they're more of like a health nut, that can amplify this obsession with wellness where it's just like, and it's almost like, Everyone else has to be demonized. <laughs> and that's exhausting. Yes. Like that is just burning energy that you do not have. Yeah, just the amount of time people see. Like you talk about orthorexia and all those nuances of, I guess, eating disorders. It's I feel like wellness has almost become mm. that in a way. Like it's just a band-aid for some yeah. people. And could, look, I'm a perfectionist or recovering perfectionist, as I say, but I do let myself, you know, just eat food and not try and judge mm. it and, you know, I have a salad but then if I have dessert, so be it, or a glass of wine and it's just not, I guess, obsessing because I think about how much brain space that takes up and that just doesn't allow me to yeah. do other things And as it's well really just showing a, a deeper wound too in that if you can't trust your body or yourself to make choices out of love for yourself, then yeah. all right this is an interesting piece of information it's like cool data now do you want to work on that and sometimes people kind of have to, have to swing to the unhealthy place like what they consider unhealthy in order to unwrite yeah. it and then they find this nice happy medium where they find wellness. happy medium yeah. absolutely and it's not very social <laughs> as well when you someone's bringing their you know own salad dressing and their own and I get it if you've got some sort of you know chronic issue and you're you know I've got friends who are celiac and things like that. Totally agree. That's totally different. But sometimes it feels like there's always a new bandwagon and it's hard to really demystify that also when, you know, things like celebrities and so forth are promoting how they eat. And I still can't believe we still obsess about yeah. that stuff. You know, it, it doesn't, it's not relevant. Like if I had a personal chef, sure, I'd eat the right food all the time because I wouldn't have to be juggling kids and, you know, eating leftovers between Zoom meetings. It would, it would yeah. be different. So I think we, we kind of hold ourselves up to a standard which is probably unrealistic long-term and probably yeah. damaging. Yeah. <laughs> so what's the best advice that you've ever been given and why? And it doesn't even have to be professional. It could be personal or life okay. advice. Yeah, I was thinking about this question. So last year to really overcome the COVID flare-up, I actually ended up hiring my own life coach, Jamin Fraser, and he his business works on insecurity. So it was getting to like deeper core root beliefs and something that really helped me to regulate my nervous system and the way that I was getting triggered via stress was a frustration with others is always a frustration with yourself. Yeah, that's that's a good sign. That's a really good sign. And I think most of us forget yeah, that. Yeah. So anytime I'm like, oh, whether it was like fear or anger or just felt feeling tension in my body, which would then flare up a physical symptom. It's like, take a step back. What does this actually mean about me? Oh, right. This is just an opinion issue that I feel like this reflection or whatever happened is reflecting an old core wound that I'm not good enough or whatever it is. 
And then I'm like, oh, yeah. well, that's just an opinion issue, so I can change that. And huh, nervous system. Yeah. And then, and move, then on. move on. Exactly. <laughs> Excellent. If we spoke again in a year's time, what would be your number one goal to have achieved and why that goal? Oh, okay. Oh, there's maybe two and they're interrelated. So I've just written okay. a book, which is with the publisher. So I am pretty sure as long as the publisher does their job, it will be published in a year. <laughs> Excellent. Well it's done. That's called, a huge achievement. Yeah, it's called Ending Body Burnout. And also we're updating some coursework within our Ending Body Burnout method that aligns with the book and that has been a huge project that has probably been going on for about six months and I am hoping that it will be done in a year. <laughs> I'm Excellent. sure it will be, but it will be launched properly and, yeah, everything. Well, you're publicly on the record now saying that, so we, <laughs> yeah. we'll check in with you. <laughs> so that's really just Chris, my partner in yeah. business and husband, yeah. he, he needs to be on board with that. <laughs> Absolutely. So Chris, I'm sure you're listening. This one's <laughs> this one's your kind of G up to, to get on that. As we wrap up our conversation today, what would be your final takeaway message for us on the politics of functional medicine? Yeah, I feel like like message. Our our body's amazing, like in terms of how it grabs our attention and sends us messages. So my big takeaway for myself as well is that we have all the answers inside of us so if anyone's been listening to this and you've been intrigued in terms of oh maybe I do have these symptoms or I do actually feel burnt out if you sit with yourself and you carve out that space and time you'll know exactly what you need because we only have pain or symptoms because it's purely a message from our unconscious state trying to grab our attention that something needs to be addressed or something is out of alignment. Excellent. So the body doesn't lie. So thank you so much for your time today. And if you do want to connect further with Philippa, of course, there'll be some details on the show notes. Until next time, do take care. Thanks so much for listening today. If you've enjoyed the politics of everything, I thrive on your feedback. So please add a short review and share the podcast with your network through Apple, Spotify, and all the usual suspects. I'm always on the hunt for new and diverse guests. So if you or someone you know has a fresh idea you're busting to get out there, please email me at amber at amberdanes.com and my crew will get back to you very soon.